today, um, I asked the Lord, I got to be honest with you, the Lord didn't really start talking to me about this message today until Thursday, and that's because I had been praying, and I said, hey, uh, you, you want to talk to me about what we're going to talk about Sunday? Because sometimes I do a series, and I got all the sermons right in, but often that's not the case. I may have two deep, and then the Holy Ghost says, okay, I want you to talk about this next and go here. And so as of normally by Monday, really on Sunday evening, my mind is already at next Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So I'm already at next Sunday talking to God about next Sunday, although we're still executing today. And so uh, Monday I said, uh, you, you want to talk? <laughs> He's like, you just keep talking to me. So then after Wednesday, we had a great time in Bible study Wednesday. I, I really sensed the that the, uh, the light bulb came on for many of us in that room. And so when I got home Wednesday night, I said, hey, you want to talk? Because like Thursday is sermon prep. You know, I work all week mentally and then sometimes putting stuff together online with some analogies or whatever, but I'm like, on Thursday is sermon prep. So I got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You know, that's really going to be anywhere between 15 and 30 hours of putting this together. And so he ain't said nothing. So then Thursday came, I said, hey, do, do you want to talk to me about this? <laughs> now I'm going to tell you, I ain't the pastor that feels like I got to have something. I ain't that guy, okay? Because I know how for us to come in here and worship and God step in the midst and he'll be able to download the message more than, better than I could ever say it to you. So anyway, Thursday, he finally says, hey, I want you to talk to them about worship. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, we could do that. And so as I, as, I, uh, as I started chewing on that, he says, so listen, I don't want you to talk to them about the typical worship messages that we talk about in church. I was like, uh-huh, keep going. He said, I don't want you to talk about lifting your hands and singing to me. We don't want to talk about that. I said, oh, okay. We don't want to talk about the high sounding cymbals and all of that. So it's amazing to me how we were just in that moment of worship. You know what I'm saying? And the Holy Ghost was like, that ain't what we're talking about today. So I want you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. The Lord took me to this text. And I have read it before, but it just meant, it was just, you know, you read it and you keep going. But he has unpacked some stuff in here for me today, and I want y'all to see it. And I really feel like we can accomplish this within our time frame. Acts chapter 17, I'll start reading at verse 22. I feel like going back to old church, so when you have it, say amen. <laughs> yeah, when you got it on your devices, you won't hear pages turning in the church no more. That's all right. I'm going to get an audio of pages turning. And so when y'all scrolling, I'm going to tell them to play that so it sounds like the Bible's turning. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with it, though. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, I only get when I'm intense in study, then I go to my paper Bibles because some stuff I just need to see on paper. But normally, though, I'm studying with a whole bunch of devices around me. But then my study books, most of them are still books. Um, but I have, thank the Lord, some of my commentaries are now soft copies so I can travel with them all over the world and I can just pull them up in Kindle. That's just a great thing. All right, here we go. Chapter 17, Acts chapter 17, uh, starting at 22. And it, it reads, and I'm reading from the NIV today. It reads, then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Paul, uh, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And he says, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in the temples built by humans. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Whoop! Well, this is some good stuff. It says, rather, 
he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked it out, or he marked out their appointed times in history and the borders or boundaries of their lands. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not very far from any of us. For in him we live, move, and have our being. As some of your own prophets or poets have said, we are his offspring. Watch this. The God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he gives himself, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Here's why he did that. Here's where we're going to get our topic today. God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I want to talk to you today from this thought, wired for worship. Wired for worship. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have everything we need. Thank you that even the words of life come from you. So I pray today that you speak to us. Lord, I ask that you would make clear to these, your people, the picture that you have given to me. Make this work fresh and alive in us. Speak through my mouth, think through my mind. Give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Wired to worship. Uh, here's what's key. Here's what's key to today's message. It's imperative that you understand that everybody worships. Okay? Everybody. Believer, non-believer. Okay? Christian, atheist, Satanist. Everybody worships. Okay? I, I want to be clear. So just because you say, I'm a worshiper, that really doesn't mean anything. Okay? I want, I want to be clear. Don't be offended, but I want to be clear. Because, you know, I, I believe, Siobhan, that churches come, we have come into an era where we worship worship. You know what I mean? Like people go to churches simply because Man, they worship over there, boy. We were sweating. We were, they just, they go in over there. And so they don't have a word. They don't have integrity. You know what I'm saying? After they finish shouting, they'll cuss you out in the parking lot. But, I mean, we like that kind of stuff because we worship worship, but, but that ain't what I'm talking about today. What I am saying to you today, though, is it's not an issue of if you worship. It is an issue of what is the object of your worship. So there's a story told about a woman who during the time of the Michael Jackson trial, that trial that went on for months and months, there is a woman, they say, who quit her job because she wanted to be at the courthouse every day to be able to see the pop star or should I say the king of pop. She not only quit her job, she was a child care provider. She not only quit her job, she would go down to the courthouse and actually pay people so she could move up front and get closer. Why are you telling me this, Pastor? I'm telling you this because everybody worships. That was her worship. That, that was her worship. She put the energy in, 
She made a sacrifice. She had to change how she lived because she didn't have any more income. And the income, the money she had, she paid, so she gave her offering just to get a glimpse, if I could just see your glory. Oh, y'all don't want to talk to me. <laughs> y'all don't want to talk to me. Yeah, because everybody worships. I submit to you today that God put worship inside of his creation. Bible bears that out because when we look in Genesis at Cain and Abel, God never said to them, bring me an offering. But it was something in them that knew that I need to honor something bigger than me because I can't make this grow even though I put the seed in the ground. Y'all with me? I didn't create the animal. One was a, a, a livestock farmer and the other one was, the, was a farmer of, veg, of vegetation. And so neither, uh, both of them understood that there's something greater than me. But that's because God put it in us all to worship. So here's what I'm saying to you when it comes to worship. We must be intentional in who we worship. Worship comes natural. The object of your affection has to be intentional. Y'all with me? Here's something that I, I found interesting that uh, Caroline Leaf said the other night while we were uh, in that study. She says, um, addiction is not bad. This is an interesting concept because when we start thinking about addiction, it has a negative connotation. People even say, you know, I don't do certain things because I know me, I have an addictive personality, and I'll end up hooked on that. Listen, hear me clearly. We all have an addictive personality. It was put inside of us when we were created. So your addiction is not bad. What you are addicted to is what causes the problem. Y'all getting this? Because think about this. If God created us to be addicted to him, what's wrong with that? To be addicted to his presence, to be addicted to communion, what's wrong with that? But if you're writing, you can write this down. I think it's worth writing down. I can't tell you it's a point, but I want you to write this down. It is easy to be addicted to whatever has the throne of your life. There's a better way to say it. Instead of has the throne of your life, you can say whatever occupies the throne of your life. Think about this. Think about this. I said to the team, this morning as I gave them a brief summary of our talk today because not all of them are in the in the sanctuary right now so I give them from time to time a summary of what we'll share and I said to them you know as I was studying this and musing this I had to say to the Lord okay I'm sorry I really hear what you're saying because watch this if God says thou I'm gonna go King James on you real quick Thou shall have no other God before me. Uh-huh. Now, now let's, let's really think about what he just said because what God is really saying is, I realize to you there are other gods. Oh, see, we don't want to own it. We don't want to own that there are other gods out there because we say, oh, no, I only worship one God. Yeah, he is the one God. See, this is where I get in trouble because I start taking you down paths that, I, that, that ain't in my notes. But when, when, um, when um, the temple was destroyed, can't think of the, king, the king's name right now, but he found a document that's called the Shema or the Shema. And in that it says, Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and thou shalt serve him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, okay? Uh, 
One God in, in the Hebrew is a unit. He is not just one as in one finger, but one God as in one hand. He is a unit. He is multifaceted. You get that? So the Israelites worship the God, Ikad, one God who has everything he needed in him. All the other nations of the world had stuff like a moon God, a sun God, a, you know what I'm saying, a God, a God of fertility, a God of uh, produce and all of that. And, and the true and living God says, hey, 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 I got all that in me. I'm all of that. That's why you have to, you have to question some of these belief systems out there. Okay? You know, I say this, you know, I say this way every one, one, one to three years, I say this and make some people mad. That the nation, the nation of Islam got the moon and uh, what else they got on their, uh, the moon and the star. Well, that's really two gods. For y'all to say Allah is one God. But your banner says that you got two different gods. The star god and the moon god are two different gods. You see that? Speaks to the fact that people worship what they don't know. I know, I know. Because you're getting heavy today. I don't know. Hey, yeah, it is what it is. They, people worship what they don't know. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I submit to you today that Paul gives us some of that because Paul now is standing in front of a council what some theologians call the Council of Mars Hill. That he is standing in what the text says, Areopagus. He is in the Council of the Atheans. He is in Athens. That was a very, of course, you know, we get uh, the, the Greek gods from the uh, Athean culture. So they were very religious people. And so here's what happened. Paul comes in, spends some time, uh, some time in their synagogues or in their temples, and he starts talking to them and sharing the gospel of Jesus. Then the text says, if you read before that, he goes into the marketplace and starts declaring in the marketplace because what he says is what, what the teaching of the day is, if you can convey a new spiritual teaching and it catches in the marketplace, it might have some validity to it. That went right over your head. That went right over your head. It was like, yeah, okay, I hear you, Pastor. Because you don't want to hold the responsibility that what you share where you work will convert some people. Marketplace. He got out there with the workers and the thinkers and started sharing Jesus. And people started talking about it so much. See? Oh, that's okay. I'm coming for that. I'm coming for that. Next series is called Life Revolution which will include what our job is in the marketplace. So get ready. Get ready for that. All right, so anyway. Um, Paul says, so Paul is now stirring up some stuff, not in a negative way, but he's presenting his case in such a way that it makes people start talking. So then what they did was some people grabbed him and went to the council and said, hey, this dude is introducing a new uh, deity to worship. And since he's talking so much about it and got so many people talking, I think we need to hear him. And I do not have time to deal with the, uh, the art that Paul used in laying out his message. Because, see, some people felt like Paul wasn't a real theologian. But with the way he laid this out here, he laid it out here not like a theologian, but he laid it out like a philosopher because they were big on philosophy. Oh, man. Some people don't hear your message because you only bring it one way. That's some people don't hear your message because all you can say is, you know what, I just want to say, hey, thank you, Lord, amen, that God has been good, amen. Oh, God, God has blessed me. I'm, I am favored. I'm highly favored and blessed by the Lord. And some people don't want to hear that. Some people can't hear that. Let me let that sit, let me let that sit on you for a second. Because you got all them scriptures over your, over your cubicle, and they don't even want to come in your cubicle. Because they think you're going to beat them up with the Bible. 
So the method with which Paul laid out his argument, he laid it out how philosophers lay out a new thought. They do research. So he opens up and he says, so I've walked around and I've been researching. He says, I've seen your temples. I've seen the gods that you've made. And I can tell, based on my research, that y'all are religious people. Now, everybody that thought that Paul wasn't weighty enough to handle this, they really started listening because he came at them the way they needed it or could receive it. Paul says, I become, see, he's a smart guy, I become all things to all men so that I may reach some or win some. See, you're so super spiritual that you can't talk without quoting, spirit, uh, quoting scriptures. <laughs> or you have no spirituality in you. And they say you so common that I don't want to hear you. See, there is a fine line. And the Holy Spirit will give you the discernment to be able to help. That is why we're talking about that in the I, uh, uh, Life Revolution message series because the Holy Spirit will help us. So the Holy Spirit is helping Paul here. So Paul is saying, here's what I've found. He says, not only do I realize that you guys are religious people, he says, I've also come upon some altars that you have. And uh, your altars say, to an unknown God, Paul says, which tells me that you're ignorant of who you worship. He's like, y'all celebrate the fact that you don't know who you're worshiping. So you have built an altar and put it to the unknown God. He says, I have come to preach to you today about that God. Here is what has happened. What has happened is Paul is addressing the fact that uh, the Athenians have made objects of their worship, but they don't know God in such a way that they would know that God is not in that. Okay, watch. Because he goes on to argue that God is basically alive. And you're alive because of him. Because he says now, uh, the God that you worship is not the God that lives in the temples that you build. Oh, Paul is talking to them, but he's also talking to us. You see? Yeah. We, we got to be careful that we don't put God into what he refuses to live in. Okay? You got to be careful about that because we will build a church and declare God lives in there. Paul says, don't get it twisted. He is not the God that lives in the boxes, the shrines, the etchings, the carvings, or anything, the temples that you build because he's not going to be controlled by you. He, he goes on to say, he is not the God that need to be served by men's hands. In other words, he ain't the God that says that has to have your service to be himself. See, that's where we get it wrong. And I, and I take, I take, I will take the charge that the office of the pastor and church leaders oftentimes makes people feel guilty as if to say, you not serving God and God can't do what he wants to do because you not serving him. Let me say this to you. Serving God is what we get to do. In response to his grace and his salvation, his love and his mercy, in response, we get. Don't get it twisted. Jesus taught, if these, the people, shall hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. So, I know that you don't mind opening your mouth, but don't feel like you're entitled to something because you praise God. Because the word says, 
If you don't, the rocks will. He's going to get his either way. Are you with me? Let me tell you one of the things I pray to God all the time. When I'm talking to him about stuff and things and drama and how I'm feeling about stuff and whatever, I pause and say, let me be clear. It's so funny. I know the, I know the Lord be laughing at me. I say to him, let me be clear. You don't owe me nothing. I say that to God all the time. Like, I want you to come through. I want you to fix it. I want you to bless it. I want you to do this. Lord, I mean, I'm just, but I say, let me stop. Because, I mean, I, you know, I'll go all the way in on the Lord, but I'm just, I can't believe you do that. I can't believe you won't do that. I can't believe you're not even responding to this. I mean, what's going on? Do you hear me? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean, I do. I laid out the Lord. Lord, I've been serving you all my days. I ain't perfect, but you know, I done let some stuff go just to keep coming after you. That's what I say to him. I said, but let me be clear. You don't owe me nothing. And I owe you everything. I say that to him all the time. You don't owe me. I don't even want you to feel like, I don't even want to smell like I'm entitled to anything. Because I am not. So Paul, Paul is saying, God of the universe who gives you breath, he has carved out your span of time and everything you're going to have. God has done this because, he says, he wants you to come after him. So what God has placed in us is a desire to pursue something bigger than us. Are y'all hear me? Okay, so that's what, that's what, that's what he's talking about. So uh, Paul says that we have the, the propensity of worship is in all of us. The problem that we have is that we have to investigate what we worship. Y'all hear me? And I'm saying to you, you got to investigate. I, I, I said to the team this morning, and I only said it to them because I thought about it the other, night, other day as I was sitting out on my porch with some coffee, studying. I got convicted because I don't even want to talk to nobody. I don't even want to talk to God until I've had my coffee. And so while I'm sitting on my porch musing over what the Lord is talking to me about, and I was like, oh, I said, I get you, Lord. Because God says, thou shall have no other God before me. Listen. And see, we don't think, uh-oh, uh-oh, that we have other gods in our lives. But think about it. If I put the whole world on pause until I wrap my hands, I make contact with the God of Colombia. Dark Rose. Then I can say, okay, Lord, we can talk. What's first? Okay, you're like, that ain't me, child. I don't even drink coffee in the morning. Yeah, but before you roll over and talk to God, you grab your phone. Oh, come on, let's just be real. There are many gods. We could start the list with Apple, Sprint, Verizon. Come on now. There are many gods. Because let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, because I, I just feel this thing in my, in my heart. Because what Paul is really saying to the council is that you have replaced the true and living God with fake gods because you don't know the real God. And see, that's what we have done. When we start saying stuff like, when he's saying stuff like, you know, you worship gods that are made of men's, out of men's hands. Y'all, see what we get in our head is the little, little statues like Buddha and them. Can I tell y'all something? Those are not the gods anymore. Those are relics. These are the new gods. Oh, y'all looking at me like, what you talking about, Pastor? Yes. Your devices are new God. Come on. You have left important papers at home and wouldn't go back and get them. But leave your phone. 
You'd be calling in and be like, I'm going to be a little bit, a few minutes late. I had to run back home. You don't tell them why, but I just got to run back home. Come on. We have replaced, can, can, I, can I just really be honest? We have replaced some of our own brain function with these gods. You don't know half the phone numbers you used to know growing up. I don't know my kids' numbers right now, none of them. If my phone died and I don't have them anywhere else, I wouldn't be able to talk to my kids. <laughs> I don't know their numbers. Because we have replaced our brain function. Listen, and we've given it to God. We letting it breathe? Selah. We have replaced the true and living God with fake gods because we don't know the true and living God. Okay, I got to move on. I'm down to six minutes. Okay, so then, l let me say this. I'll write this down. Worship is about value. Okay? Worship is about value. So I want, to get, I want us to, get to, to cut to the root of that because we think that worship is about the right song. Worship ain't about a type of music. Worship ain't about how you lift your hands. Worship is not about how you shout and dance. Okay? All of that would be considered the outworkings, the accoutrements of, okay? It is how I pour my worship out. But worship is about value. Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's where worship starts, at what you value, okay? So worship is our expression of what, we, what is most valuable to us. Worship is our expression of, uh, uh, of what is most valuable to us. So it could be, hear this, it could be your job, it could be your status, it could be a sport, it could be a person, it could be an activity, okay? So watch this. Are y'all ready? This is some heavy stuff right here. At least I hope it is. Y'all be like, that ain't heavy. I get that. Okay. I want you to get it, but I want you to see how weighty it is. Y'all ready? What we adore automatically becomes a pattern or a behavior. Let me tell you why that's heavy. Because the thing you do the most and the thing that you want to keep doing over and over and over again is your God. So you, you, started, you started hanging out with a group of people. And it gave you such a great feeling to be connected. And so now, two, three times a week, we're connecting. Let's meet after work. Oh, let's meet tonight after work. What y'all doing? We're not doing, we're not doing nothing. Okay, let's go do that. Let's go hang out. What y'all doing this weekend? And you just get home and you're like, man, that's just the most fun I've had in so long. It's just, it's just the greatest thing ever. And we keep scheduling it and keep scheduling it. And now our whole life, is what I do with that group of people, okay? All right, you'll say, Pastor, that ain't me. I don't, I don't get down. I don't even like people like that. Okay, 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 okay. So you started eating this kind of food, and you liked the way, like, oh, my God, it tastes so good. That is like the best experience. I'm going back. Well, I'm going to order that again. I'm going to get this again. Oh, I just like this. And next thing you know, food becomes the pattern or the behavior, or alcohol, or smoking, okay? You like the way weed makes you feel. 
Okay, so now you done jumped in with everybody else. It, it, it should be legalized. And now you, it's amazing the stuff that people stand up and testify about, but they say they believe Jesus, and never do you hear them talk about Jesus. But they testifying for weed. Man, I'm going to the house. I ain't messing with y'all. Y'all don't want to be honest with me. Because, you know, it's amazing. They said, leave. It come from the ground. And then you got all these arguments. But you have no apologetic ability when it comes to talking about Jesus. And he's your Lord and Savior. But weed got you testifying where Jesus don't have the power to get you to testify. Tell me who your God is. <laughs> Ooh, that's the kind of stuff to be like, just get, okay, can you can you move on? Okay, I will. I will. I'll move on. I will. So that uh, okay. If you really want to get an understanding of what you worship, here it is. You need to look at your time, your energy, your money, and your activity. Now listen. Just, just you. Don't, don't get in a group and talk about this. You just look at it. Look at where your time goes. Look at where your energy goes, your activity. Look at where your money goes. And then you decide who your God is. That's what, what does that mean? Okay, let's talk about your time. We come here on Sunday, and at our church, that's all we do. I mean, we don't have conferences and we don't have revivals and all of that because I believe that you need to be out there sharing that message. And I know that we're being effective when you bring your neighbors in and when you bring your coworkers in and be like, Pastor, this is my coworker, so-and-so. I invited them to the church. I know that you're being effective out there. Because, but if you're always in here, how then will they get connected if you're passing them on the way to church? That's, that's just my ministry philosophy, okay? But we don't do a whole lot. I mean, we complain if we get out too late. That's the show was long today, wasn't it? Well, you ain't going to be back for another two weeks because you got something else on your calendar. I'm trying to get it all in while I got you. <laughs> you know how you do. You come one week, and the next week, you know, Pastor, I'm going to be gone. I got, I got, I'm hanging out. I got a girl's trip. <laughs> you know, I'm going, I'm going with my boys. We're going over to so-and-so. You know, I got, I'm on a work trip. So we got to get it in because the truth of the matter is seven days, you could, because you don't think about you coming on Wednesday. I'm just saying. I don't get, I used to get wore out about that. People don't come, I don't, because I changed my expectation. And you change your expectation, you can't be disappointed. So I'll talk to one. If that's what you're going to you need to get your, your mind renewed, come on, let's talk. We'll talk to one person. But when you look at where your time goes, when you look at where your money goes, where do you spend most of your money? After you pay your bills, okay, you're paying your bills, where do you spend most of your money? Where does it go? That's going to tell you where your God is. See, I told you this wasn't about lifting your hands. Because you can lift your hands to a God you don't know. You could be bowing your knee to a God that's controlling your life that doesn't live in heaven. Come on. See, I'm just going to talk about me lest y'all be offended. I'm just going to talk about me. I'm not going to talk about you. But the day that I say I'm taking this day off, and then I'm going to take this day off and I'm going to lay in the bed and I'm going to catch up on my shows. And I wake up and turn the TV on and catch up on my shows, but I ain't talked to God. I ain't said thank you. But I'm trying to connect. I got to get caught up. Come on. That's the thing now. I'm binge watching so I could get caught up. Holy Ghost in the background saying, hey, when we going to catch up? We ain't talked in a long time. You keep tossing prayers at me, but I'm trying to get you to understand the core issue here, but you don't want to stop at me, but you do drive-by prayers. But you spend time with your favorite TV show. You even paying money so you can have the DVR or the, yeah, the DVR. 
How much money would you save if you didn't have it? See, this is what I'm saying. And when you start counting your money, don't forget that. Don't forget when you say, my money, I, you know, I'm at the movies all the time and I see I'm spending my money. Don't just count that. Count the fact that you got stuff in your cable package that you would still be alive if you didn't have it. But you feel like to have it is really living. Man, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching to all of us now. So don't think I'm just talking, I'm talking to all of us. And when we start looking at where that goes, when you track it and be honest with yourself, you will find who's at the throne of your life. So here's the function. Here's the function of worship. Let's talk about it. Function of worship. Worship brings you closer to the focus of your worship. Okay? It brings you closer to the focus of your worship. Do you have an extracurricular activity that you spend time studying and looking up online? And, like you know everything about it. People now know, call, call Tim. Tim know about that. Oh yeah, he, he is the connoisseur you need to call him. Do you have that thing? He's like, well that's just my hobby. Okay, that's cool. I'm not coming against that. But you don't let it be that if you logged your time getting proficient on your hobby, that it is more time given to that than it is to given to spending time in prayer, worship, serving God, giving. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because at that moment, what you value most is, is the king of your life. And you got to be careful because it draws you in. Whatever you worship will draw you in, okay? Here it is. Look at uh, Psalms 135. We'll put it up. One, uh, Psalm 135, starting at verse 15. I love it. It goes on to say, let me get my glasses here. It says, uh, the idols of the nations, those are the godless nations, are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Listen, they have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Here's the hook. Those who make them are like them. Pause. 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 You become like what you worship. And so is everyone who trusts in them. You become like the thing you trust. <laughs> you got a thing that has become your God that don't speak. Maybe that's why you don't speak to people. They don't hear. Maybe that's why you can never hear good advice when it comes. Maybe because you have become like the thing that you worship. It thinks that it is self-sufficient. You become like that thing. But on the opposite of that, let's look at Corinthians. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. Paul says it this way. But we all with unveiled face, with nothing in between us, we all with nothing in between us, everything uncovered. See, real worship is what we do naked. Real worship happens with nothing in between you and the object of, the, of your affection. Y'all hear me? That's what real worship, real worship is that you come to that thing and you say, yo, I'm open. I'm giving it all to you because you can handle it. Okay? So he says, with us, uh, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, listen, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. So listen, real worship is transforming. But I want to be clear to you. 
you will be transformed into whatever you worship. I can tell all the, all the young ladies, when you see them on social media, that idolize people like Kim Kardashian in them. Because that's who they dress like. It'd be the same dress, just a different color. Same shoe, just the shoe the color to match the dress. They just all look alike. But if you said that to them, they'd be most offended. But it's okay, because you become like that which you worship. All right. So David says this, Psalm 150. What David does, and we like to quote this scripture, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, right? He starts and ends Psalm 150 with this opening line, praise ye the Lord. And what David does is he qualifies our worship. Hear me. Hear me. Y'all, we got to probably go back and listen to this again, but, but hear me. When David says, praise ye the Lord, we like to, when I was growing up and I would go to musicals, they would start the musical, praise ye the Lord, and the people would go up, the band would be, ah, praise ye the Lord, and everybody would be like, yeah. yeah. I would suggest to you that the first part of that, that we like to do, the praise part, is not the most important part. The most important part is the qualification of the line. And he qualifies the line by saying, praise, you praise the Lord. See what I'm saying? Because he could have said, praise the water. That would be the qualifying thing. Are y'all following me? So when he says, praise the Lord, the Lord in the Hebrew is the word Yah, which is a contraction for Yehovah. So, Jehovah is the self-existent one, eternal. So, what he says is, you ought to praise, but what you praise shouldn't need anything to exist. It should be able to exist by itself. In this case, by himself. So, he qualifies and it says, praise ye the self-existent God. Then he goes in in Psalms and starts talking about praising with the timbrel. He says, take inanimate objects, you adamant worshiper, and use those things to praise the one who is self-existent. So what Paul was really saying to them in Athens is this. You have taken the God who is alive and doesn't need anything or anybody to exist and replace him with what you give life to. Talk about real worship now. The number one thing in our lives should be the God who needs none of us to exist. Are you hearing me? There, there is nothing else on the earth that could sustain without God. And what God is really simply saying to us today is that I've wired you to worship, but you have to be intentional about what or who you worship because I've given you free will. And you are going to be drawn to something. Could your, could your God be independence? I don't need nobody. I don't need nobody. I got this all by myself. And you don't ask nobody. And, da, 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 and every day you make these declarations that I am in control of my life. And I, da, 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 and I, could, could that be your God? Oh, be careful. It becomes a thin line with this self-help and self-motivation and then idolatry when you're worshiping yourself thin line. I 
I, I can do this. Paul says, let me give you a balance. I can do all things through Christ. He is the power that I use to do it. He is the conduit through which I succeed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we got to be careful that we don't start stepping out with all of this self-love. Mm, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. This ain't, this ain't the popular message. Because the popular message is love yourself. But I want to come in because I have apostolic grace, and what I'm called to do is to see a thing, know what it's supposed to look like, break it down, and build it back again. That's my call. And it's, so if you don't like the way I preach, you shouldn't come here because it's apostolic in nature. Okay? If you want the, a, pre, a preacher that's going to tell you, love yourself and speak to yourself, this ain't the guy. I'm not him. But what I do want to tell you is, it's okay to love yourself because God loves you. But you got to understand, listen, that you got to love yourself through the power of God. Here's why. There are some days you get up and you don't love yourself. Because you're inconsistent. Come on. You're on top of the world on one day. And then the next day you're sad and don't want to get out of the bed. That's why you got to love yourself through God because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Your heart will trick you. Today your heart said, girl, you the bomb. Bro, you the boss. The next day your, your, your heart will be telling you, you know you're a failure, right? You know you should be further along. Come on, man, I'm telling you. Oh, it's just me that this happens to. Well, hey, that's why I got to love myself through God. Because I can't love myself so much that I sit on my own throne. Why? Because I'm not self-existent. I'm not always self-edifying. Okay, 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 I got to go. I'm 14 minutes over. Ooh, okay, I'm done. So listen, you got to make some shifts. We got to shift what is valuable to us. We have to shift it. You got to shift what's most valuable, and you got to shift what you pursue, okay? So listen, I will say to you, and I got some questions. Instead of having points today, I got some questions that we'll put on the screen in a minute, but I do want to say this to you. What we have to do, this is why I always say, guys, you don't have time to be in other people's business because you got too much work to do in your own life. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have time for that. Some of the conversations you have to, some, I mean, when people call you, I just need to talk to you about this. You got to discern what you want to take on and what you just want to say, hey, let me just pray for you about this. We're going to pray right now and lay it on the altar because God knows more than me. And I really don't have time to talk to you. Again, about the same thing for the third year. Y'all hear me? See, we don't want to be that brutally honest with ourselves. Because some of us like the fact that people come to us with their problems. It creates a whole nother throne. Oh, come on, man. See, listen. I'm a transparent guy. You know what I'm saying? For the most part, I can't tell y'all that you can't handle it all. However, I also want you to know that I'm in this position through the grace of God, not because I'm perfect. So I tell y'all, I tell y'all my stuff. I tell y'all my struggles. Because we are, we are working together. You get what I'm saying? And what a lot of pastors fall into is this savior complex. That I want you to think that I'm on a pedestal that you're not. When I hear preachers preach like that, I'd be like, dude, you're setting yourself up for some junk. I don't, even want to, I don't even want you to look at me. Now, you need to honor me because I'm your pastor. That's function. You hear what I'm saying? That's function. But you need to understand that we're all saved by grace. So we don't look down on people. We don't look down on people. You don't judge the people at your job because they don't know Jesus. Because you ain't always known them. You don't judge them because they don't know them because you go to church and you still don't. 
So when you run across people that don't know him, the first thing you need to be, Lord, thank you for letting me know you. Because you know me and you should be rejecting me, but you let me come on in. Man, I ain't got time to play with y'all today. I don't know why I feel like preaching, but you got to be careful. That's why David says, I was excited. I was glad. When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know why that is? It's because based on who his family line was, they had done some stuff that would get them kicked out of the church and not allowed to come into the temple. And David was really saying, I'm glad that you didn't hold my people's stuff against me that would keep me from coming into your presence. See, that's why you ought to come to church more often anyway, simply because you can, even though the stuff in your past should prohibit you. See, listen, listen, even though you don't feel like it, coming to the house of God is really telling the devil, kiss my tail. I'm going because I, I know who my people are and I know I shouldn't be able to come in. So even though you're telling me not to go and you're telling me why I shouldn't go, I'm going anyway because there is an open door to me that should be closed. So anyway. So we gotta, we, gotta, we gotta be careful about the thrones. Because let me tell you something. There's only one true and living God. But we have to be careful because we have many thrones in our lives. It ain't just one. You hear what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. Our lives are much like Game of Thrones. Because Game of Thrones is there's a bunch of thrones in the land. The fight really is who's going to sit on the main throne. That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole premise. Because everybody was their own king or lord over their own areas. But there was one throne called the Iron Throne. And everybody wanted to get in the best position to be able to sit on the Iron Throne because the throne that they currently sat in wasn't big enough, didn't control enough. That's the whole premise of the game of thrones. Everybody was trying to get to the one throne. You got to take inventory of your life because there's a lot of things in your life that want to get to that one throne. Money got its own throne. Relationship got its own throne. Status got its own throne. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Self-pleasure has its own throne. And all of them fight each other. Some, oh boy, I'm preaching good right here because some of them work together to get the main throne. That's why you pay for self-pleasure. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Work is a throne. Work, status, and money will partner so one of them can have the throne. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Well, I'm preaching real good right here. I want you to see this because as things, it's not just going to be one. God wants the one throne, but this other stuff in your life tries to step up and pull you into, hey, let me have it. Let me have it. Let me have it. Work says, let me have it. Because if you let me have it, I'll make sure you have all the money, you'll have the status, and people will be coming to you. And so you got to work all these hours. Work, 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 keep working. Work all these hours because you got to get all the money. And your kids never see you, but it's okay because the family throne is not as important as the status throne. <laughs> so you got to be careful. You have the thought of this world. The culture of this world pulls on you for a throne. The culture of this world is you don't need to go to church. You can worship God right where you are. What you go to church for? I don't believe in that organized religion. Or I done been in church so long, and, I, and they ain't no good. All them the same. So now that's another throne. The thought throne. I will tell you, that's where the enemy really lies. In your thinking. And if he can say, let, me, let, let, let your thinking have the main throne. Let your mind have a main throne in your life if you want to. You're going to be more crazy than you are now. Listen, you got to be man or woman enough to tell yourself, hey, you can't trust what you think right now. You're emotional. Ask the Holy Ghost. You see what I'm saying? 
Oh, wait, oh. Emotions got their own throne. Because you cuss people out based on how you feel. <laughs> and at that moment, that throne revolves and becomes king. I'm running everything today. I'm in a way. Anybody that come across me going to get cut. I just don't feel like nobody. I'm sick of, I'm sick of, you know what, I'm sick of, and all they mess. That's the number one throne today. So everybody that comes across your desk, everybody get cut. Every phone call, what? I ain't in the mood for it today. All right, I'm finished for real. This is like my fourth.